You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5. And I want us to apply our hearts tonight because um, put a demand on the Word of God. Can someone say amen to that? Some say put a demand on the Word of God. Boy, you guys must work hard during the day because, you know, I know I'm a preacher, but man, I know you guys are out in the week working hard. And so I'm going to say this, that I'll let you get away with it now, but come Sunday mornings and Sunday nights, if you're not with me, I'm going to make you get with me. I want people at my church lively. Amen. Amen. This is people out, you know, you go to so many churches today, and it's just, amen, 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 amen. I want people to come to my church and be like, man, what are those people drinking? What's in the water over there? Because it's when the Word of God gets inside of you, it does something to your heart. It changes your insides, right? Well, I know you got to be who you are. you got to be who you are, you know, but I want to bring it out of people. Praise God. I'm trying to drive emotion, but sometimes we like to take our emotions like this. I mean, if you read my book, Living as a Spirit, one thing I tried to tell you is that emotions are a part of who you are. You're not gonna get in you're not gonna meet a holy God and not get emotional about it. You think when Jesus comes walking towards you, you're gonna say, Amen. Good to see you, Jesus. I believe in faith that you're here. I'm not gonna get emotional because I wouldn't be in faith if I got emotional. Yeah, right. Amen. When I see Jesus, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be like, but I do know. I know. I don't know. I'm not going to be able to hold it together. The Creator of the universe, of all that is seen and unseen. So, but I know I'm not quite Jesus. But it's His word, so we get excited about it. Second Timothy three five and the NLT says they will act religious. Someone say act. Now we don't want actors here at Light of Today, right? We want real people. They'll act religious, but they'll reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Say, stay away from actors. Stay away from actors. Stay away from people that act. Stay away from people that like they have the power, they have power, but they can't produce the power. I was talking to somebody one time, and I said to him, um, he said, you know, I, you know, talking to me about his religious experience. I said to him, can I ask you a question? And you know, sometimes when you talk to people, when you're in prayer, you know things about people supernaturally by the Spirit sometimes. But, you know, I'm going to say something to you. I usually know, you know, especially when I'm preaching, I usually know who, who's got heaviness on it. I can know this sometimes. And you should know it too, not just me. And I said to him, when you come against temptation, do you have the power to overcome it? And he looked at me and he said, well, no. I said, so where is this powerful God you're talking about either he is not powerful okay and he's with you or he's powerful and he's not with you so which one of them is it well he's not going to die that guy's not powerful so he's got to say well he's not with me because if God's powerful and he's with you whatever power he has the ability to overcome you should overcome it Jesus resisted Satan's temptation doesn't get any more tempting than that I'm not going to talk about the temptations of Jesus and what they represented but if Jesus had the power to overcome temptation, and you're in Christ, you should have the power to overcome temptation. Amen. So when you say that, you know, uh, God's with me, but you can't produce the power, then it makes you wonder, is he really with you? So somebody say, tap into the power. Look what it says here in John 15, 7. So now we're in Christ. So how does a person in Christ, who has the ability to tap into the power, how do they tap into it? John 15, 7 says, But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you ask anything you want, and it shall be granted. Right? Someone say anything I want. When you're in Christ, we'll talk about that, and His will is coming through you, you're lined up with the will of God, so you should be able to ask and it be done unto you, right? Okay. You know, some people read John 15, 7, and they think to themselves, well, what's the catch? Anything I want, anything you want in the will of God, as His will flows through your life. So what I want to talk to you tonight about is praying through unto victory. Someone say praying through. Praying through. Uh, 
we're going to get into this because the Lord showed me this years ago when I was uh, doing my devotions. He said, because of conf we have failed in prayer because we have allowed confession to replace intercession. Many times we think we just confess something and it's going to come to pass. That's true if you've, uh, if you've already prayed through and received it in the prayer, then you can start confessing. But until you've received it in intercession, you have no right to confess it because it's not yet yours. Are you here? So you say, well, when can I confess something? When it becomes yours. Well, Jesus provided for it. No, 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 let me just say this one second. Jesus said you're going to have to pray in life. He says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So he mandated that, we said this before, we're talking about the kingdom. He mandated that a person in the kingdom of God has to pray. So as long as his kingdom is rushing towards the consummation of things, prayer is required. You're not getting out on it. Well, I pray when I confess. No, 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 no. You're going to see in just a second that confession comes after successful intercession. We've all been here before. You're confessing something that you know that you don't yet have. How many have ever done that before? You're confessing something, but you don't got it. Right? You say, I got it. The money is mine. The money is mine. I got it. And the whole time you're like, that money is not mine. The job is mine. The job is mine. But the whole time you're thinking, I hope God does it. And you know what will start happening? We'll see in just a minute. If you confess before you've successfully interceded for it and received it by the Spirit, you will start becoming resentful at confession. And you'll start to think to yourself, there's no power in it to begin with. Because you have allowed confession to come before intercession when it becomes yours. Can I teach tonight? So tonight... I want to talk about how to intercede and pray through. And when you get through, that's where your confession kicks in. Amen. We're still a faith church. You know, we talk about a lot of other things, but at the core, we believe in faith here. Amen. Okay. Um, I wrote this down in my uh, a book. You know, sometimes you make notes in books, right? And, and then you read those notes and you're like, man, that was 10 years ago. Ten years ago, I wrote down a book. I was looking through it today. When you notice people are discouraged, don't think twice to teach them about prayer. When you see somebody down, when I see somebody, when I'm down, when you're down, it's telling me that there's a disconnect between you and heaven. Someone say amen. Amen. So... I was meditating this, and I put it on Facebook today. I got this by the Lord. When you see a troubled Christian, you know there's trouble in their prayer life. Because a Christian, I'm not saying you don't have trouble, but there shouldn't be that expression of trouble all over your face. Because any trouble that you start experience in your life, your prayer life should be so strong. Your prayer life should be so sharp, and you should be... So good at prayer, you can take that trouble into the prayer closet and start working that trouble out till you come out and you've settled it. Amen. People that don't pray are people that are always looking for advice. You ever find someone, they go to nine to ten people looking for advice. They didn't like what you had to say. Oh, they may have agreed with it, so they go find someone else. What that person have to say? They go to another person. The person that does not pray is the first person to always put the prayer request on Facebook. The person has always prayed for this. Pray. No, no, no. You're not asking to get prayer. You're just trying to tell everybody what's going on. Right? A person that is really knowledgeable and good at prayer, when the problem comes, you won't even know it. Because they're going to go into prayer and they're going to try uh, to overcome that thing by prayer. And only when they find their strength is becoming diminished, they'll ask somebody to come together with them and get in agreement with them. Are you here? Immature people make their prayer requests known to everybody. 
A person that is successful in prayer knows themselves. I'm taking this thing out in prayer now by myself. And if I can't handle it, I'm going to agree with somebody else. I'm going to call my brother. And guess what? You always know who to call. Because a good person in prayer, a person that's successful in prayer, is not going to hang out with people who are dogs in prayer. Are you hearing me? My life, as someone that's good in prayer, I'm going to run with champions. I'm going to run with eagles. I'm going to run with people that know how to pray like me because you associate with people of your kind. That's right. Are you here tonight? Amen. So, we need to become good at prayer. So, when people come into Lighted today, they can say, man, that church prays. You know, you can always tell when you're preaching to a congregation that does not pray. You start getting into revelatory things. It's like you put your foot out there, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, not go. we can't talk about that right now. Because there are certain things that are revealed to people by the Spirit. But when you find people that pray, they're going through the same spiritual experiences that you yourself are going through. And the minute you meet somebody like that, there's an understanding with that person. You don't have to really, you know, you don't have to explain yourself. You can just start talking. They get it. Brother called me this weekend. <laughs> he uh, started telling me about a certain spiritual thing that the, the Lord talked to him about it. And uh, there's an understanding between me and that brother. And he had to explain himself to me. It might have sounded weird to some people, but to me, I was like, oh, I understand that. We both pray. We have prayer lives. Amen. Someone say, I have a prayer life. I have a prayer life. Okay. So, it says in John 15, 11, I have told you these things so that you'll be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Well, what is he talking about? The things that Jesus said that he told you that your joy will overflow is the fact you can get your prayers answered. So when a person is not overflowing with joy, prayers aren't getting answered. A person who is ready to walk away from their faith and is down on the things of God is a person who has given up on prayer. Before a person gives up on our faith, they give up on prayer. There's too many Christians that are down on prayer. Someone say amen to that. And so what I want to talk tonight about how you can get into prayer and become successful at it. Do you know that some people that have been saved for I don't know how long, they're not good at praying. Have you ever met somebody just like, they want to pray for you and you're like, oh God. (laughs) They come over there and this is you and they lay their hands on you and Oh, yes, Jesus. You know, during times of worship, you know, they come over and they lay hands on you. <laughs> they got those cold, clammy fish hands. They lay it on you and, and, and nothing, you just can sense there's no charge of power. And they come over to you and they're trying their best to be in courage. Oh, brother, it's okay. It's going to be well. And they might even pray a nice, beautiful, well-thought-out prayer. But because you're spiritual, you can tell no connection with God. All it was was a bunch of religious garble. Yeah, but brother, their heart. No, God's not looking at what they're... We're going to get to it in a second, but God's not saying, Oh, that was cute, that was nice. Leave them alone. Listen, prayer is for results. Why else do we do it? What's the point of prayer unless we're going to get results for our personal piety? No. God's not interested in your personal piety. He's interested in His kingdom. And in order to get His kingdom, guess what it's going to take? People will know how to pray. I want people to say, you know what, I've sent this alcoholic all over the place. I've sent him to this church, this church, this church, this church. But you know what, send him to light of the day because those people know how to pray. And before they ever get to me, they have to go through you. And by the time they go through you, they don't need to get to me. I'll take the real tough cases, amen? You all take the easy ones. How about that? When they come walking through the door, you know, so, ah, this is the vision. You come walking through the door, you have someone there as a greeter. How you doing? God bless you. Because to serve at the ministry, you have to go through leadership class. I mean, the leaders don't hear it, don't have to do it now. They've been through enough of me. <laughs> but there's going to be leadership class. And I want to talk about how when people come through the door and you see that garment of heaviness on them, you can take them by the hands because you've been in prayer. You've been listening to teachings. You've been there. And all of a sudden they come through the door and they take your hand and guess what? You say, oh, I don't know where you came from, but you have heaviness on you. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name. But you're a greeter. You mean greeters can pray? Greeters are good for more than just saying hi to people. Greeters should be praying and prophesying over people and telling people about the king. Oh, let me pray. And you say, well, I don't know if I have that authority. If I put you as a greeter at the door, guess what? I expect you to be mature. You can do that. Take him to the side and pray for him. Get that heaviness off of him so they can enter into worship. 
Hello, somebody. Are we the spiritual people? We're not. They say, wow, I've never met a church like this. It's not just an artificial, how you doing? How you, how you doing? Amen, somebody. Amen. They say, wow, these people know how to pray. And guess what? If they've come for the wrong reason, then they'll leave. But if they come for the right reason, they're like, I'm staying at this church. Yeah. What is it about that person? I want to know God the way they know God. Hello, somebody. Amen. All right, all right. So Ephesians 4.13, let's go there. Ephesians 4.13, I'm going to read you Ephesians 6.18. It says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So we're going to see in just a second that a mature Christian is a persistent prayer. How many wake up early in the morning and pray? Amen. Sister Latanya. How many go to bed late at night and pray? Amen. I've been so convicted lately. I get out of prayer and the Lord says, Hey, you didn't spend enough time. Go back in there and pray. Mm-hmm. And you spent more time on YouTube today than you did in prayer. You spend more time making eggs and bacon than you did in prayer. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 4.13 Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God... Unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Wait a second. Are you telling me now that we're not perfectly mature inside of Jesus? Something's deficient. Something's deficient. I'm not saying that something is deficient any more than I would say that a first grader is de- deficient because he's not a man. But when you see, if I, was, I saw my nephew today, <laughs> and he wanted to watch the Terminator on his iPad. He's four. So I was eating dinner before I came here, and he was trying to get me to, Brett knows me, he was trying to get me to watch the Terminator. And I says, no, Michael, we don't watch the Terminator. He said, why? Well, I've seen the Terminator. He says, why? I said, because you're four. He said, I'm a big boy. I says, no, you're not a big boy. Yeah, I'm a big boy. I says, can you drive a car yet? No. So he goes, well, if you don't let me watch Terminator, I'm going to tell my daddy. I says, go on and tell your daddy. So he went, Uncle Chris won't let me watch the Terminator. So he looked at me he's like, watch. I said, he's just a kid. He goes, Michael, he said, you're not a big boy yet. Yeah, I'm a big boy. No, you're big. And this is what we do with God sometimes. We want to tell God that we want these big assignments. We want to go right into ministry. We want to go cast out devils. We want to go pray for the sick. And God says, wait a second, you can't even pray. You don't even wake up in the morning early. Yeah, but God, I want you to give me a million dollars. If I, How am I going to give you a million dollars when you can't even wake up and pray? You don't even tithe. You don't even give 10%. You're telling me if you hit the lottery, you'll give me 90%. You'll keep 10%. You're not going to do that. You're going to give me 10 bucks. Right. <laughs> and if you win the lottery or get a million dollars, you're going to go buy a lottery. I heard a joke. A guy said, $17 million. You know my hat? This guy's going to get $17 million. And he says, $17 million? You know how many lottery tickets that can buy? <laughs> That's what, not a mature person, not mature in their thinking. But when God sees you day after day, Father, I come before you. I praise you. I come before you. You know what God will do? He's not going to say, oh, good, he prayed this morning. Well, put it all in his hands. Yeah. God's going to say, hmm, he's growing up. He's growing up. And the process you're going through a lot of times, this process you're going through, guess what it is? It's just God watching you grow up in Him. You've been through struggles. You've been through trials. You're growing up, right? When I look back when I was in high school, when I was in junior high, when I was in college, even when I first I, I saw a picture. I, I, no, I actually read a sermon of mine when I first started the ministry eight years ago. And I thought, my God, I've grown up a lot since then. Spirit's still the same. Innocence is still the same. But guess what? Knowledge is different. Experience is different. Hopefully, it is more richer. Some of you knew me when I was eight years ago. Watched me preach. Hopefully, I've grown since then. Amen. Hopefully, ten years from now, you're like, man, you grew since you first started church. Because God is letting you grow up. And so, you have to acknowledge that, guess what? In your prayer life, you're going to have to grow up. Your praying today should not be where it's at yesterday. You should know something about prayer. When someone says, teach me about prayer, let me show you something I've learned in prayer. Where'd that come from? Didn't come from a commentary. It came from knowing the courses and ropes of praying. Hello, somebody. How many of you failed in prayer before? Raise your hand. Okay, so guess what? How many of you ever prayed for something and it never come to pass? Raise your hand. How many of you know and say, that prayer didn't get answered? Raise your hand, right? Guess what? Now you know what not to repeat. (laughs) 
right? So do something different. What should I do? Try something different. I don't know. Just not that thing again. You know what I learned a long time ago? Getting as many people to pray for something ain't going to get it to come to pass. <laughs> Call up the prayer chain. No, 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 we don't have a prayer chain like today. We have people that know how to pray. We don't have a prayer chain of people. You know what that is? That's just sympathizing with someone and making them feel good. A whole bunch of people, and they ain't even praying for you anyway. <laughs> right? When someone asks me to pray for them, you know what I say? Uh, well, this is, I think that usually what I say to them, let me pray for you right now. Let's pray right now. Because guess what? Chances are, I'm going on. Amen. But if you're a member of the church, I ain't going to do you like that. But, but that's how you should do it during the day. Pray for them now. Okay. First Peter 2.23. Let me show you this. Let me show you this. Like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow up for a second. Grow into a full experience of salvation? You mean when you came down to the altar and got saved and tears were coming down your eyes and you had snot dripping down your nose? That wasn't the full experience of your salvation? You mean when you got baptized in the Holy Ghost and started praying in tongues? You mean when you healed the sick, God used you on the streets to cast out a devil? That's not the full experience of salvation? No. If that's it, then we're in trouble. You are growing to that full end of salvation. Are you here tonight? Okay. So, it says, until you have that. And I won't get into what that is because that's, that's when we have our brand new bodies and we're in the age of the ages. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. So, when a baby cries out, what is it telling you? It's hungry. Someone say hungry. So, do you know what the first step of being mature and growing is? Write this down if you take notes. Is you have to be hungry to grow. Why are people today where they were 10 years ago? Do you know what it is? They haven't grown and they've remained deficient because they're not hungry. I don't mean to put Brad in the spot. I remember when Brett got filled with the Holy Ghost in 2010. He was so hungry for the things of God. I never forget it all my life. And when he got filled with the Holy Ghost, his hunger quadrupled. Amen. God started adding good things to his life, like his wife right here. Amen. Amen. Who herself, you should listen to, I should have him tell you this sometime. Who herself was on her own track. Amen. I remember I heard about Emily from another minister down in Florida who told me there's a person here from, uh, she said, Han Harbor, Michigan. I says, you mean Ann Arbor, Michigan? She said, yeah. Do you know her? I says, I don't know her. And she started coming to the services. And I know the ministry she was at. And she, it, you have to, it's definitely for the mature. And, um, and who would ever known that this girl from Han Harbor who is going from conferences is going to meet old Brett here who just got filled with the Holy Ghost. And guess what? God finds hungry people and puts them together. The people that come to this ministry, the ones that come, the ones that are going to stay are the ones that are like, I'm hungry for what they got. There's other ministries out there that are like that. People I'm friends with. But listen, the people that are going to stay are like, I'm hungry. Feed me. Show me something. Show me something. And guess what? The pastor is always going to be the hungriest. I'm, I isn't trying out hunger. Be try. Just try. All right? Because guess what? I'm so hungry for more of God. You say, but you know stuff. I want more. I got to know more. I'm hungry. And guess what God's going to do? He's going to keep feeding me. And guess what? I'm going to keep growing. Amen. Okay, it says here in um, Ephesians 4.13, I think I just read this. I'm going to read it again. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's, God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. You mean you can get to this place where Christ has set a standard for you and you can start walking in that. How does it come? You have to hunger for it. Amen. So look what it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 through 9. This is Bible study. We're in the Bible tonight. Are you okay with my enthusiasm? Yes. In view of all this, in view of all this, 
Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Oh, I like that, but I'm not preaching on that. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. So when someone tells you your character doesn't matter, that's not the truth. Someone say moral excellence. I want people to come here and say, boy, those people at Light of the Day, they don't lie. They don't cheat on their taxes. They don't turn the mileage back on their car. Amen? <laughs> and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance. As we're going to see in just a second. And patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Someone say everyone. everyone. Now here's what I want you to, to lock on now. And if you guys want to bring an NLT to, 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 or ESV, we'll go through those a lot. Uh, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you'll be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're taking notes, write this down. The more you grow, the more productive and useful you're going to be in the kingdom of God. A person that's not productive in the kingdom is a person who's not growing. When you find a person who's not productive and useful, do you know what they become? Dead weight. Yeah. Always getting dragged around. You know that person. I mean, they're part of the team, but everyone's dragging them. <laughs> they want to fit in, but everybody's got to carry them because they're not useful. And the reason why they're not useful is they're not maturing. Yeah. Amen. Okay, so you find someone that is immature, and you can only hope that at some point they're going to become out of that immaturity, and they're going to mature, and then we won't have to deal with this immaturity after a while. But when you find the same immaturity in somebody consistently, guess what that tells you? They're not growing because there is a deficiency. Yeah. Amen, somebody. Right. So write this down. I felt led to say this. I felt led to say this. You can grow and mature even if some of your problems don't change. Sometimes we think that growth and maturity means that certain problems in our life find fulfillment. How many have a certain bad relationship in your life? Raise your hand. We all do. How many want a relationship that you just, you just wish would change around? Well, if that relationship doesn't change, that doesn't mean that you can't mature and you can't grow. Because your maturity and your growth is not contingent upon one thing. And many of you, if you could, would bring restoration and reconciliation in that relationship, but the other person doesn't want it. So you start growing and start maturing in that area, even if that relationship is bad. And guess what? You won't be affected by it like you used to be, even if the relationship still is dead. Yeah. You there, somebody? Okay. Okay. Now look what it says here. Those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted and blind. Mm -hmm. So what is the uh, effects of being immature? Write this down if you take your notes. That a useless person, an immature person, uh, one who fails to develop is short-sighted. And a short-sighted person's problem is the fact they can only see what's in front of them. Hello, somebody. This is the kind of person in their faith you don't want to spend too much time associating with. This is the kind of person, no, no let me just say it better like this. Let me, let me say this, let me get this saying tighter. This is the person you don't want to confide in. You don't want to confide in short-sighted people because guess what? The minute you tell them what's in your heart of faith, they're going to say, there's no way you can do that. I don't know how that's possible. There's no way. Why? Because here you are, grown and mature, and here they are, and all they can see is this chair, but they can't see that wall. And you're looking at that wall, and they're looking at this chair. Guess what? There's a problem. They're immature, and you're trying to say, look at that wall. And the wall represents God's promises. The wall represents your promised land. It represents everything God has promised that you're going to do, and you just want someone to agree, and you tell it on down to them, and all they see is your feet they're looking at. Yeah. They're not developing. Guess what? They can't see because they fail to grow up. So, um, 
a short-sighted person is never knowledgeable of what's coming down the road. You know what that means if you can't know what's coming down the road? You know what this means? You'll always be taken by surprise. Wow. Taken by surprise. You ever find people that every time something happens, they just didn't see it coming? Oh, they broke up with me. I didn't see it coming. Oh, you know, I didn't see that. Oh, I just didn't see it coming. I just, oh, you know, I got kicked out of my, I got fired. I didn't see it coming. Oh, and when something surprises you, you can't prepare for it. Are you guys here tonight? I feel, come on, keep pulling, keep pulling, keep pulling. Okay. All right. Write this down, write this down, write this down. God often condescends to where we're at spiritually. But after some time, He expects us to grow up and meet Him on His level, which is being in faith. Sometimes, you're going to find yourself in unbelief and doubt. Usually when you're first growing up in the Lord. Or when you're given a task by God that's out of your comfort zone. Amen, somebody? Sometimes God tells you to do something like, man, I've never had to believe God for something like this. And at first, it might be tough to believe because guess what? It's growing pains. So you know what God will do? He'll perform miracles. God will do certain things that are typically unusual, out of the norm, the same way that a, a mother will nurse her child and say, oh, baby, you can't, you don't know how to go to the fridge. Come here. Come over here. Let me breastfeed you, right? But, you know, you can't be 15 getting breastfed. <laughs> and if you do, you're probably going to end up in jail. Or on YouTube. Hebrews 11.6 And it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Okay. So, in order to be mature, in order to walk and be mature in the things of God, write this down. You have to be on God's level and that is the level of of walking in faith. Someone say faith. faith. Now here's all of that to get to this point tonight. How can you play on that level consistently? How can you always be in faith? Because we've already eliminated the immature person. The immature person is never in faith. The immature person is, what was me? My house is going to come crumbling down. Everything's not going to come to pass. And guess what? I've already said. Don't associate and confide in those people. Find people that are in faith. Where do I find them? This church. Because you can't sit under this preaching for a while and not be in faith. Amen. You're not, I'm not going to let people come in here and talk unbelief and doubt. and oh, oh, oh. If you sit under this teaching for a while, guess what? Faith is going to rise up in your heart. You're going to start talking right. You know why? Because the people in this ministry are going to be people of prayer. Faith's going to fill your heart. Okay. 2 Timothy 3. Th- uh, uh, we've already went to those scriptures. Okay, write this down. How do you know someone's in faith? What's the tall tale evidence that a person's walking by faith? How do you know? Number one thing. Their prayers start getting through to God. Oh, that's good right there. You ever see someone that every time they pray, it just starts getting answered? Have you met the... I, I, you know what? You want to know something? I've envied those people. I've gotten jealous of those people. I've gotten angry that I couldn't be one of those people. Then I decided that I'm going to be one of those people. No sense in getting jealous at them, right? When your soul, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is all simple. When your prayers actually start to benefit you and other people, it's a sign you're actually getting mature. This is good preaching, man. Boy, this is good preaching. Well, how do I get it? Number one, prayer is God's business. So you should make it your business. Amen. We all want to talk about the minors. And we don't want to major on the majors. We want to major on the minors today. What's the stage going to look like? How are we going to do church? Huh? Forget about all that. You know what? Let's talk about how to pray. Yeah. Don't give me a church consultant, blah, blah, blah. You know what? That is just helping fleshly people be carnal. Yeah. That's right. Well, you know, we just got to go on and... No! Teach me how to pray! Yeah. Right? Okay, so this is my definition of prayer tonight. Now I'm going to define it all different ways, but this is a good definition that I had in my spirit. This is more of my own. Prayer is interacting with God by the knowledge and leading of His Spirit. 
until he has accomplished his will upon the earth through us. That's a good definition of prayer right there. In light of the kingdom. What is prayer? Prayer is interacting with God by the knowledge and leading of his spirit until he has used us to accomplish his will upon the earth. So people that are immature are not at all interested in God accomplishing his will upon the earth. They're interested in accomplishing their will upon the earth. My God. Ah, Jesus. I long, says the Lord, to find people who want my will to come to pass upon the earth. I look today and I look and I scan and I comb through the masses of people that want me to manifest and demonstrate my kingdom and I find few. But those that I find I will empower to bring to pass my will. So endeavor to do my will. And when you endeavor to do my will, I'll fill you with my power because there are few, says the Lord. Hallelujah, my God. Hallelujah. So this is the part of praying. You want to bring to pass the will of God on the earth. Amen. Amen. We want this church to do that, right? Amen. I don't know everything God has planned for this church. I get it by the Spirit. I mean, I know I want to be a blessing to the ministries. I don't want to just be off in Harmony Hills somewhere and not be associated with other pastors and churches. I certainly believe that us starting a church in the area is going to be a win-win for the other pastors. But I want to see the will of God come to pass. And the only way we're going to force it through and not just become another church that's just doing other stuff is if we grow up and become mature. And that's through prayer. And this is the aspect of maturing in prayer. The aspect of prayer that requires maturing. Are you ready? Hearing God, agreeing with what God says, and being willing to pray that out. Amen. What do you mean pray it out? Not cut it short. Amen. Hearing, yielding, and being consistent in your prayer will produce the supernatural results of God. Amen. So when somebody has been praying and there's failure... In the prayer, it's because they didn't hear, or they didn't yield to what they heard, or they didn't have the endurance to pray that prayer out until it was received or they prayed through. Are you hearing me tonight? Yes. This too, I hope this is not too complicated for you. Just get what you need to receive. If the supernatural does not happen when we pray, if adverse circumstances aren't changed by the power of God through prayer, it shows that we know have the form of prayer, but not the power of prayer. And you want to know something? If you... Ah, duh, ah Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. This, I need to touch that. If you are so used to being around the form of prayer without the power of prayer, you will begin to mistake the power of prayer for the form of prayer. Yes. That's good. Oh, I've been around prayer without results for so long, I forgot what it's like, what it is to get results as prayer. And guess what? The form of prayer is the power of prayer. No! Ah, Jesus. Oh, whoa, 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 wait a second. But if you start getting around somebody who has the power of prayer, and all you're used to is a form of prayer, you know what will happen? Either you'll soften your heart and repent, or you'll become con or you'll become offended. Oh, he doesn't do it because ah, because guess what? You're so stuck to your form, and the way that you think it should be done, that when you get around results, results don't matter anymore. Form matters. Form, form, form. No, no, no. God's not concerned about form. You know, He's concerned about power. Amen. The authentic move of God happening. And that is why when God sends moves into the earth, He sends them like waves. When you look out into the ocean, you know what you see? Water coming in through waves. You just see, you know why God does that? Or why the water does that? To balance how much water comes in. If all the water came in at one time, the whole earth would be drowned. So you know what happens? It comes in waves. Moves of God come in waves. And no wave ever looks the same. So the wave coming in 
this year ain't going to be the wave that was 20 years ago. But guess what? Is it water? Absolutely. Is it the same water? Yes. Is it the same agent? Yes. But guess what? It's just a different wave of it. And it doesn't always look the same. Hallelujah. So let's not get stuck in the form. Let's get stuck in the power it produces. Are you here tonight, sir? All right. Acts 16. I'm going to read it in the NLT. 16 through 18. It says, One day, this is Luke talking. He was hanging out with Paul. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer. Now, I think it's funny that when you see the power of God demonstrating itself in the Word of God, prayer is not too far off. Isn't that something? Prayer is always around there. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl. Ah, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her. You see this right here? What was she being enabled by? The spirit. How many people, my dad's in San Francisco, he called me the other day, and he was uh, really disheartened. And he said, I was walking around San Francisco today, and he said, I saw a man who was bound, and he was just talking to himself, and pulling on his sweater, and talking to himself, and making funny faces, and talking, and, and just act. you know, you see someone not acting right. My dad says, do you think that was a spirit that bound him? I said, I know what you're talking about, I think probably that's very possible it is, so his mind is shot. Whatever he was involved in blew his mind out. That's what the devil will do. He'll enable someone to do something and then he'll steal everything from him just to destroy him because he hates people. You know what the worst part about hell is going to be is the fact that all those demons down there all hate each other. There's no love. You think that the kingdom, I, I don't know how he, Satan keeps his kingdom from falling apart because all those demons all hate each other. Just a ruckus and a riot. No agreement. Just evil. Then here this spirit got a hold of this woman and was enabling her. You know what God's going to do? He's going to send people in this ministry that need deliverance. This isn't just for people that look nice. Y'all are such good looking people here. But you know what? There's going to be people that come in amongst us. Like James says, when they come in and they don't look like you, give them the front seat. We're going to put them right in the front. That's where the conviction is going to be the hottest. And if they act crazy, Brett's going to drag them out and cast the devil out of them. <laughs> By himself. Oh. Amen. Oh, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, and, the real, and the real crazy ones, we'll send Evangelist Jordan Poland in there with them. <laughs> Brett, just let Jordan, he's the man, you know, just let it. <laughs> So she earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. Isn't that something? Didn't even get the money for herself. That's what the devil will do. He'll use you to make money for himself. Not money, but he'll use you for himself. It says she followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they've come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to that demon within her. Isn't that funny? The demon was... The demon was... Saying things that were true. But it was a spirit. I'm not, I don't want to get into teaching on why, why he was saying what he was saying. I command you in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And instantly it left her. Look at how powerful it was. Instantly that thing left her. Why? Because they were connected to prayer. They were going. Where were they going to pray? They didn't have churches. They didn't have light of the day ministries, five to seven. You know what they had? The synagogues. I won't give you any touch to that why they were going to the synagogues to pray. Paul would always look for a Jewish synagogue to preach the gospel. And he was going to the synagogue to get before God and to pray. He was committed. The language here shows that the Apostle Paul was committed to prayer. And you know what will start happening to you when you're committed to prayer? Demons will be attracted to you. Demons will come looking for you. And guess what? Good! Because they're exactly who they need to be looking for. Because you're the person that's going to cast it out. That's when you start giving yourself to praying. Things will start being stirred up in the spirit realm. You'll be in Walmart and someone will start cussing you out. You ever go into a season of, uh, Sister Vanita was telling me she was doing a spinning, just trying to do a praying in tongues for 24 hours. Let me tell you something. Get ready. Because when you start doing that kind of stuff, you're going to stir up trouble in the realm of the spirit. Get ready. But that's what God wants to use you for. Amen, Amen somebody. You get a church that starts praying, pastor might say, Brother Palmer, you know, I don't know what's going on. The pastor we're working with, uh, sharing the building with, he's going to say, Brother Palmer, you know, I don't know what's going on, but I don't know. Say, Pastor, get ready, because the enemy is going to try his best. You need to be prayed up. 
We're going for it in prayer. Hello, somebody. I'm going to show you why the enemy gets upset when you start praying. Because you are breaking through into his realm and tearing his things apart. Hello, somebody. Prayer that gets... uh, Okay, so prayer that profits is prayer that's getting through. I won't go through Daniel chapter 10. But Daniel, the Bible says that when the angel heard that Daniel was praying, he says, I heard your prayer 21 days ago, but the prince of Persia withstood me that the prince of Grecia might come. So there's war going on in the heavenlies. That's a whole other thing. But write this down. I've been talking about getting through. Let me define it for you. You know, I've started defining terms a lot more ever since my editor uh, used to get mad at me because I would say things like getting through, and she would say, well, what do you mean by this? When I wrote my first book, I spent the whole, I spent hours trying to define stuff. Because I assume people understood, but they don't. So let me say this. Getting through means that prayer, that the prayer that you pray gets past the opposition of your doubt, gets past spiritual opposition, according to Ephesians 6.12, gets past the negativity of naysayers, and is heard by God and answered. Hello, somebody. That's why when people ask me, I had a, a good brother uh, call me on Thursday and he wanted to know what I thought about getting married to an unbeliever. I said, well, if you want to have difficulty in your prayer life, go for it. I didn't tell him to go for it. I said, don't do it. Because if you do it, you're being disobedient to God. And if you do that, you're going to have a hard time the rest of your life. Then somebody said to me, what do I think about marrying people that aren't spirit-filled? I said, make sure you get them filled before you get married. Maybe they just haven't had the experience you've had yet. But don't marry someone that's vehemently opposed to it. Marry somebody that you can bring into that and make they might not be as mature as you yet. Get them mature, but as long as they're not opposed to it. Someone actually the other day was asking me the same thing. They said, I'm... Dating a guy and he's you know of a reformed background and he doesn't believe in the gifts of healing. I said, "Do you believe in the gifts of healing?" They said, "Yeah." I said, "They said he's actually studying to be a minister in a reformed background. He's against it." I says, "Well, you better think twice then." Now, to tell her to marry him wouldn't be against Scripture, because he is a believer, but it's going against the fullness of the Spirit. She's going to have a hard time in her ministry. It's not going to find it fulfilled. So it's a decision she has to make. Okay. Um. Write this down quickly. People usually never get through because they don't realize they need to get through and they stop praying short of it. How many of you here... Oh, let me read Romans 12, 12. This is what it says. This is what I mean. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Seek the Lord, uh, Psalm 105, 4 says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Th- seek His presence continually. <coughs> Amen. Amen. When you own a home or a house, you want the presence of God. Have you ever walked into a home before and you, you can sense peace? You can sense joy. You can sense that God's presence is there. Have you ever walked into a house you sense contention? You don't even know what's going on in the house. You know, who lives there, you just barely know the person, but you just sense, uh, something's not right about this. It's because they don't pray in the house. There's not a constant atmosphere of prayer. You know, you can have that happen in churches. You walk into churches, and you're like, man, these people, they just, they're doing everything and anything under the sun, but there's no prayer going on. Well, we pray. It's the form of prayer. There's no power of prayer in here. You know, that's really, I, I'm going to take, I, as a pastor, I take pride in my congregation. I can't control the size of it, but I can control is what the people that are in the church are doing. That's why I said praying. When I made the contract with the pastor of this other church, I said, listen, we're going to be praying in the mornings. That's part of the deal. That will never change. Because when people come to my church, even guests, I want them to say, what are you doing? Your people know how to pray. Because every single one of you are going to start experiencing adventures with the Spirit in prayer. Get excited. God's going to take you on a prayer journey. 
You're going to go into the realm of the Spirit with power, with authority, clothed in the same authority that the Apostle Paul was clothed in, and no devil in hell is going to want to mess with you, not because you have any more authority, but because you recognize the authority that you have. Oh, this is getting good. I wish I had Mike here to start playing for me. Amen. Amen. When you're praying by the help of the Spirit, there is an awareness that you will have. Whether that determines to you, that indicates to you whether or not you have prayed through or not. Let me say it again. When you receive the help of the Spirit, when you're praying by the help of the Spirit, how many know what I mean by praying by the help of the Spirit? Romans 8.26. You know, you're praying. Today I was praying. I just prayed from 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock. And I remember thinking to myself, um, I'm going to be fired up tonight. Because 3 to about 4, nothing. Just praying, just praying. Around 4 o'clock, something shifted. The power of God came over me. The power of God came over me. And I was praying something out. And I knew it wasn't me praying anymore. It was the Holy Spirit. Some people have asked me, how do I preach? Learn how to do it in prayer. Because praying and preaching isn't much the same. Isn't much different. It's pretty much the same. You're just talking to people when you're preaching, talking to God when you're praying. Hello, somebody. And can you ever tell when someone's preaching by the natural, and all of a sudden the spirit kicks in? I mean, it's good preaching the natural. You, sometimes you don't preach in the spirit, you can, but it's still edifying. But guess what? There's sometimes when the Holy Ghost comes on somebody, and bam! And if you're not ready for it, you'll get run right over. Hello. And uh, uh, when you start praying by the Spirit, He usually pinpoints one thing. One thing he pinpoints. And when he pinpoints that thing, guess what? He's going to stick you on that thing until it is accomplished. You know what happens we do sometimes? God tells us, pray for this. And the Holy Ghost puts it in you to start praying for it. And guess what? It may not sometimes be the thing we came to prayer initially for. You come to pray for your finances, God says, pray for this so-and-so. And guess what? You say, okay, uh, pray for Sister Della, help her God. Now back to my finances. Guess what? You're back in the natural praying. And God says, no, pray for Sister So-and-so. Okay, God, I pray. And then you go back. God says, pray for So-and-so. You're like, fine. So you start praying for that person. And guess what? That is where the Spirit is leading you to pray. Pray until it lifts. Finish that prayer assignment out. Hello, somebody. You know what, I, you want me to tell you how, I, the easiest way to get in the Spirit, the most fruitful your prayer is going to become. This is Ephesians 6.18. Tonight, take me at my word. Try it. Don't go home and turn on Sports Center. I got a bunch of women here. Don't go home and turn on uh, Home and Garden television. Amen. <laughs> I don't know what we women watch. I don't know. All I do is watch Sports Center. That's about it. And I go to bed. Go home and spend 10 minutes praying for somebody else. Who do I pray for? Pick someone in this room. Pray for me. How about that? <laughs> pray for Jordan. We all know he needs. No, he's not even here. I'm picking on him. Pray for somebody. And watch how quick you'll get into the Spirit. Watch how satisfying it will become to you. Oh, yeah. How many can testify what I'm talking about? If the Spirit of God gets in there with you, and you'll feel it right down here in your stomach, stay on it. Until it lifts. And you will feel the power of God. Are you here, somebody? Okay, write this down. You will not see manifestation of the thing you are praying about if you stop shy of getting through. It's far better. It is far better to spend the extra time in prayer that it takes to get through than to spend that time waiting around for something that's never going to happen. There's no better there's no better use of your time than to stay in prayer until you have prayed it out. Hello? Um I was talking to a friend uh on Thursday and um this is really what got my gears grinding in this direction. Go with me to Philippians chapter 1 verse 3. I'm going to show you this in the Word of God. And I thought to myself, that makes a lot of sense. He asked me for some advice about it. And I said, he said, what do you think about this? He goes, I don't really know anyone that preaches on this stuff except for you. 
I said, well, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. That's prayer and praise. Always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy. Are you seeing the language that's being used? For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. So here you have the Apostle Paul. You know what he's saying? He's saying, the church at Philippi, and Paul's in prison right now, all right? And he's saying, I'm quite confident. This is his church. He says, I'm quite confident that the work that God began in you, he's going to carry it out until the day of completion. Okay? But he's confident about it. There's a confidence, that's, a resilience that's inside of the Apostle Paul. That he knows that he knows that he knows that the thing I'm praying for is going to come to pass. He's confident about it. And where did he get that confidence from? There you go. He's been praying about it. So, write this down. The thing that you're not confident about needs additional prayer. Until you get to the place of confidence. Well, I'm not confident about my finances. Needs additional prayer. Well, I'm believing God for X amount of money, but I, I just don't confess if it, you don't have it. You say, if you're not confident about it, just admit it to yourself. Well, you know, brother, we shouldn't say this. It's negative. No, 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 no. Get back into prayer until it's done. Settle it in prayer until it's done. That's right. So he said to me, he said, Brother Palmer, he said, he, not Brother Palmer, he said, Chris, he said, you know, I've been going through some difficulty, uh, and he's a he's a cool, a great man of God. He puts on conferences and stuff, and and he he just actually put on a real successful one, and, and brought a lot of leaders together. And I said, "What was that like putting it together?" I, I imagine the spiritual warfare probably was intense. And he goes, "It was tremendously intense." He said that he had just moved into a new house in a nice neighborhood, and the neighbor across the street began to spy on him. And write him threatening emails. And she was married. And she began to write him threatening emails. And was harassing him. And you want to know something. When you have a wife. And you have a baby. And you have a crazy woman living across the street. That's taking the peace out of your brand new home. Here you've moved into your dream house. And there's no peace. Because it's like you never you don't know what people are capable of today. You come in there with a gun. And I asked him, I said, well, do you have a CCW? No, I don't have any of that. And I want to say, you might want to get one of those. <laughs> but, you know, she did say, uh, he, he did say, so he said, well, he says, let me tell you what, I, he said, the other day I was, I've been praying about it. I've been praying about it. I've been, I haven't really told anybody about it. I've been praying and praying and praying. He goes, I've been praying and struggling and praying. He goes, and something happened. I was praying. And he says, something changed one day. And the prayer wasn't the same. He says, now when I pray about it, I feel the power of God all over it. God, did you hear what I said? He said, I liked what he said. I almost, I was in my car, I almost jumped out of my car. I said, I love that, how you said that. He said, when I pray about it now, I feel the power of God all over it. And this is what Paul was saying in the church of Philippi. He says, I used to pray for you in jail. And I didn't know how it was going to go. But now when I pray for you, I feel the power of God all over that church in Philippi. I feel God's power on you. And guess what? It produces inside of me a confidence that God is going to take care of it. If there's something in your life that you're not confident about, you need the power of God to get all over that thing. You say, well, I don't know about if I'm going to find a job. I don't know. No power in there. Guess what? God, I pray for this job. Blah, blah, blah. I pray for it. I pray for it. The Holy Ghost gets in you and starts driving that prayer. There will be a point. Mark this down. There will be a point that you get where you cross over. Do you know what that point is when you cross over? It's a spiritual experience. Listen. You say, I don't know. I've never experienced that before in prayer. We're maturing tonight. We're maturing tonight, right? You're going to get there. Amen, somebody. Amen. Well, I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know what that's like. You know, I don't, I don't know what that's like. Well, I don't know, you're going to mature. And you're gonna, you know, it's like you're in junior high. I don't know what high school's like. What should I expect in high school? Or you're in high school. I don't know what college is like. What should I expect in college? And then you get into college. Three years in, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember what that was like. Now you've got experience. So you don't know what it's like to experience that crossover. It's like before we hit the sound barrier... We went 700 miles an hour in a plane. No one knew what to expect. Then after we did it, oh, we know what that's all about, right? We can do that. Well, you don't know what to expect until you go through it. So, you're praying. Keep on praying. 
And, and, and this is what the Holy Spirit does to us in prayer. He will put inside of your heart an anticipation that you're getting closer. You're praying for something. Let's just take finances, for example. Let's say you believe in God for X amount or something. You believe in God for X amount. You believe in God for X amount. You know, you're just, you're just not confident. You wake up, I don't believe in God. I just don't know I have it. I just don't know I have it. I just don't know. I, what should I do? Go on and pray about it. Because every time you pray about it, you're putting more power of God into that thing. Every time you pray about it, you're putting more power. You know, maybe you have a problem relationally with something. Go there and pray about it. Because every time, you're putting more power on it. You're putting more power. And guess what? Sooner or later, there's going to be an anticipation. I'm getting close. Do you have it in prayer? No. But I'm getting close. I'm getting close there. I'm getting close. I'm getting close. I'm getting close. And then all of a sudden, one day, you will step over. And it will no longer be asking God. It will be thanking God. Why am I thanking God? See, listen. When someone says, thank God for it, and you haven't prayed through, you're going to thank God with no thankfulness. You're not really going to be thankful. You're just doing it. Every good and perfect gift from above comes down from the Father's light, but you're not really thankful in your heart because you don't have any reason to be thankful because you don't think anything's been done. But when you start praying and you cross over, there will be thankfulness and it will produce in your life massive confidence. That shift. Oh, I wish you could experience it. I, I, I'm believing God for big things for this ministry. I'm praying every day. Praying every day. I have it. I'm believing God for X amount of money a week for this ministry. I'm believing God for X amount of money for the building. Y'all, some of y'all saw the letter that came out. I'm believing God for these things. And no one person is going to do it because no one person is going to take the credit that they built this ministry. Hello, somebody. And the burden is not on anybody. You know who the burden's on? God. I told God I'm never putting the burden of the finances on nobody in this ministry. I'll never criticize nobody for nothing. And it's not even on me. It's on God. I said, you said start this ministry here. I'm confident that this ministry is supposed to be here. I know you gave me the name of this ministry. And guess what? You're going to provide the finances of this ministry. And I'm believing God for this stuff. And guess what? I'm going to God. I'm going to God and praying. 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 More power of God. You say, are you there yet? I'm not quite there yet. But I'm getting there. I'm, every time I start praying, I know God's going to provide it. And guess what? I'm getting closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. And there's going to be a point where we break that barrier and there we are hello somebody well it's not just the ministry it's for you what what do you want in life some of you say i don't have a job well do you want a job yes start praying for it well you're not happy with your job tell god what you want write that thing down am i getting too emotional for you tonight write that thing down on a piece of paper this is what i want god sister Brittany, you want a job whatever you want that mac job to be write it down on a piece of paper I'm saying, this is what I want. Be specific. Hello, somebody. And guess what? Keep praying for it. Well, I don't, I don't feel yet. You're down and discouraged in your car. I don't feel like I'm getting yet. Keep praying for it. Confess it. Yes, God, I thank you for it. God, you're going to do it. And guess what? One day, there will be a breakthrough in your prayer. One of the ministries that I follow, massive ministry. And uh, they couldn't get their ministry over 3,000 people. Couldn't get it over 3,000 people. And they are in this particular area, in a particular city, where uh, it was called the graveyard of churches. Churches would come, they would go. Couldn't build a church there. And if you did, you'd be lucky to get 3,000 people. You weren't, that was the ceiling. And they started praying and interceding, interceding, interceding. And one night in prayer, the place went bananas. How many, do you ever hear people talking about this kind of stuff these days? No, it's just, let's just figure out how to just work the people. You know, listen, if you use carnal means to get people in, you're going to have to use carnal means to keep people to stay. That's right. And when they get satisfied with all that stuff, then guess what? You're going to have to find the next thing. Before long, you're going to be having uh, uh, grizzly bears on unicycles with, with, uh, with bowling pins. When you do it by spiritual means, you attract spiritual people. Wow. So they said that they were praying, they went bananas. Now they have 20,000 people come to their church. I've been to the sanctuary, and they have 
a sanctuary that seats 6,000 people and it, they, don't, they have, don't have enough room. Can't fill both the services. It just It's just a nightmare even going. It's something I don't even like going. It's just a nightmare getting in and getting out. And you know what the most, uh, it's not the big church that, because I haven't been to so many, you know what the, 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 the most cool thing about it is? The people. It's not the presentation. It's the people. The people come in and they sit down and they're expecting. They're expecting. Yeah, yeah, they're expecting. They're expecting. The, the, they get on the keyboard. People are lifting their hands to God. There's an energy in the place. Yeah. Do you know what they, do you, listen, do you, because most of my leadership's here tonight, let me say this. Do you know what the ceiling is in this area? Not the size of churches. First of all, there isn't that many massive churches in this area. So you have a problem, number one, that churches are not growing beyond a certain level in this area. Do you notice? Do you notice there's really no huge megachurch in this area? All things considered, there's not. And number two, do you notice that there is, you know, it's hard to get a body of people in this area that get excited about God's Word and excited about the kingdom, ready to mobilize. Why is that? I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, show me one thing. That is because there is territorial spirits keeping people blind in this area. They're locking people into yesterday's faith. They're locking people into the pride that we know it all. Listen, let's break all that. Amen. Hello, somebody. Amen. There's this attitude, well, I just get my needs met. Do you realize in the kingdom of God, when you start going to bat for other people and praying for other Come people's on. needs, God will see to it that whatever you're believing for gets accelerated. Yes. You know when you want to see breakthrough in your life? Start praying for somebody else. You know, when I started praying for other people, more people would call me and say, God's been putting me in my heart to pray for you. I had three people yesterday call me and tell me I was on their heart or they had a dream about me two nights ago. And I was praying for other people. It's amazing. I mean, it was like people call me out, God's been putting, and they're all saying the same thing to me. The same exact thing. They all got it. I was like, wow. I don't even talk to these people. Right? Are you guys hearing me tonight? Someone say, we're going to break through. Personally, Personally and corporately. And corporately. We're, going to We're going to break through, break through. In, this area. in this area. Someone say hallelujah. hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly, so make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to The Light of Today with Chris Palmer.